The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. And we are in part five. As we mentioned earlier, of words to live by, words to live by. Last week we explained at the beginning that when Jesus and his disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration, after the glorious experience, Peter said to Jesus, "Let's pitch a tent here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah." and and while he was still speaking, the Bible says there was a, a voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So, so God was saying in essence to Peter and to us that we should not pitch our tent on experiences. We should pitch our tent on the word. And that's, that's huge. That's huge. As powerful and as great as GWDIA services and all that, you know, we are not to pitch our tent on experiences. We are to pitch our tent on the word, on the word, on the word of God, who is Christ, the word in, in flesh. And the word for us today, the word to live by is peace. Everybody say peace, peace, and our text is Isaiah 54 verse 10. Isaiah 54 10. It says, the mountains may disappear and the hills may come to an end. It says, but my love will never disappear and my promise of peace will not come to an end, says the Lord. Hallelujah. God is saying to you today that my love will not come to an end. My promise of peace for you, my promise of peace for you, put your name there, will not come to an end. Whew. That is so, 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 so powerful. So powerful. So God's idea and promise of peace for us is an everlasting peace. And I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you will experience everlasting peace. You will experience peace continually in your life in the name of Jesus. So the question is, what comes to your mind when you, when you hear the word peace? What comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Many of us, what, what comes to our mind is, is that state of perfect calm when there is no trouble when there is no strife when there's there's no lack when where you have that perfect situation you have the perfect circumstance so mostly we define peace as an absence an absence of struggle an absence of noise an absence of trouble an absence of storm. However, God defines peace as a presence, as his presence. So peace that God has for you is not an absence, it's a presence. Hallelujah. The presence of 
God, the presence of God. So, a sense of inner calm tend to go up and down depending on the circumstances around us. So imagine, if you will, that as tomorrow morning, Monday morning, it should be Monday, wherever you are, you are going to be stuck in traffic. And if you're in the lucky part of Lagos, you're going to be stuck in the lucky traffic for five hours on your way to work. I mean, what does that do to you already immediately? <laughs> <laughs> your sense of calm and peace has been ruffled. You know, I, I would be very concerned, you know, to sit in traffic for five hours. I mean, which, in lucky traffic, which is the patapata of all the traffics. You know, it ruffles that, your mind. Now, imagine, on the flip side, imagine tomorrow or tonight when you get home, there's a promise of you being in a jacuzzi at the right temperature, you have pina colada or your favorite drink on one hand, you have a book that you're reading on the other hand, you're soaking in the bath. Imagine what that does to you already. <laughs> you're beginning to feel calm. Just by manipulating what could be. Also picture that next weekend you are told that you will have to babysit 10 two-year-olds. <laughs> 10 two-year-olds. I have a two-year-old and to, to babysit one two-year-old is, is it's, it's a lot. You know? Now imagine you have to babysit 10 two-year-olds next weekend. What does that do to you already? I mean, I'll begin to wonder how I'm going to cope. One is running in this direction, another one is running in that direction, another one is... How are you going to... Chaos, I can feel chaos already. <laughs> Just by manipulating the external circumstances. Now imagine you are going to be treated, let's say today, to a foot massage, head rub, while you're sipping on your favorite drink and watching your favorite show on TV. Imagine the calm that brings to you. <laughs> so, Pastor, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? What I'm saying is this. The circumstances around us do create our sense of calm or the lack of it or the sense of turmoil. As humans, it's, it's, it's the natural thing for us. However, God promises a kind of peace that is not at the mercy of circumstances. God promises a kind of peace that is not at the mercy of your circumstances. God promises a kind of peace that will be present even if you are in that four-hour lucky traffic. The kind of peace that will be present even if you are in that jacuzzi. The kind of peace that will be present even if you are babysitting 10 two-year-olds, the kind of peace that will be present. Even when you're getting your foot massage and your head rub, watching your favorite show, regardless of what is going on around you, the peace God has for you is the peace that will exist in spite of the circumstances. And when we embrace this kind of peace, the peace that God has for us, 
What happens is that that peace, that inner state, actually begin to control our external circumstance, what is on the outside. So today we are talking about this peace from God, this promise, words to live by from God. How do I enjoy this peace, Pastor? How do I enjoy this peace from God? Five things and we are done. Are we ready? Number one, to enjoy God's promise of peace, you need to have peace with God. You need to have peace with God. That's the first thing. To enjoy God's promise of peace, you need to have peace with God. You need to have peace with God. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. You see, many times we want to have the peace of God, but we don't we have not established our peace with God. So, until you have peace with God, you can't have the peace of God. Hallelujah. Romans 5:1. Romans 5:1 says to us that now that we have been put right. We have been put right. Hallelujah. We have been put right through faith. We have peace with who? Boom. With God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have been put right through faith. And because we've been put right, follow me, through faith, we have peace with who? With God. So I, I, I thought I, I was the one to have to make peace with God. Does it say we make peace with God in, in, this, in that sense? If we have peace with God. So I, I thought I was the one that would make peace with God. But through Christ Jesus, God was the one that had made peace with me. So now I have peace with God when I receive the peace that God has made with me. Hallelujah. I used to think that I'm the one that needs to make peace with God. I need to do good. I need to come to church and early. I need to sweep my street. I used to, I, I need to take care of the poor. I need to, and while all those things are great and good, and if you have peace with God, you will do those things. But those are not the things that gives you peace with God. Hallelujah. So it is not me who makes peace with God. It is God who makes peace with me. And that is huge. That is big. Because it is God that made peace with me even before I was born and I come into that peace, I, I, I flow, I accept that peace. That peace endures. It endures. It is not dependent on my actions or inactions. It is not dependent on my situations and circumstances. That peace endures. Colossians 1.20, Colossians 1.20 says to us that God made peace through the blood of Christ's death on the cross. So he made peace through the blood of Christ's death. There was nothing I could do to make peace with God. There's nothing you can do to make peace with God. There is no, the, the best of your righteousness is like filled with before God. There is no sacrifice. There's no order into two.
<laughs> there is no other sacrifice but that which God himself made by himself, which is Christ. Hallelujah. So God made peace through the blood of Christ's death on the cross. So, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. You don't make peace with God. God made peace with you. You receive the peace of God. That's why, that's why when Jesus enters the place, he says, peace be unto you. Hallelujah. So I'm saying to you today, I'm speaking into your life, into your circumstance, into your home. Peace be unto you. You don't make peace with God. God has already made peace with you. You receive the peace of God. So to enjoy the promise of peace, you need to have peace with God. You need to receive the peace of God. John 14, 27, John 14, 27, this is Jesus speaking to us, you know, I mean, teaching us the same words to live by. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. It is a gift. What is the gift? Peace of mind and heart. Do you receive it today? Do you receive it today? I am, I am leaving you with that gift. If, you, if your mind, if you, if you don't have peace of mind and heart, you've not received or you are rejecting the gift of God. Receive the gift of God. It's a gift. You there's nothing you can do. There are no 10 steps. Just receive the gift and let the peace be in your mind and your heart. You cannot have peace of God and you're in darkness. It's not possible. Absolutely impossible. And the peace I give isn't fragile. You see, some people's peace are so fragile. They need to cap, they need to manage their peace so that it doesn't break. That's not peace from God. The peace from God is not fragile. Like the peace the world gives. That's the peace the world gives. It says, so don't be troubled or afraid. You have no business being troubled. You have no business being afraid. If you find out that you are being troubled, you are not receiving the peace that God has come to give you. You have you the trouble. Okay. You have to be at peace. There is no trouble. You have to be at peace. There is nothing that is happening on the outside that can give God sleepless nights. If there's nothing that can happen, Putin, bomb Ukraine, uh, PDP, APC, both of them lost elections. I don't. I mean, it's it's not going to make God afraid or jitter or troubled. There is nothing. Though the mountains be moved, those, though the earthquake quakes, the peace of God abides. And that is the peace that God is offering you today. Are you going to receive it, my brother? Are you going to receive it, my sister? So to walk in this peace, to enjoy this God's promise of peace, number one, I must have peace with God. Everybody say, I must have peace with God. Number two, for you to enjoy it, you must get rest for your body. Oh, this is big, this is big. Oh, they are all big anyway, so but this is big. <laughs> this is what we are talking about. You must get rest for your body. You see, a lot of people lack peace and they think it's an emotional problem. They think it's a spiritual problem when it's actually a physical problem. Many people lack peace 
They don't have peace of mind. They don't have peace. But they think it's an emotional problem. Oh, I have an emotional problem. Oh, this and that. Oh, you know. Oh, it's a spiritual problem. Oh, the people from the village. <laughs> village people. Meanwhile, it's actually a physical problem. I'm going to show you in the Word of God. They don't have peace because they are not resting. You see, our body and our soul are united in a way that we don't realize. Ezekiel 20, 12, Ezekiel 20, 12 shows us how to achieve this. This is in God's blueprint already. It says, and I give them my Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. I give them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign, a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy. So our designer tells us, our maker tells us that these bodies of ours work best when we take a Sabbath of rest. Oof. Your body works best when you take a Sabbath. What's a Sabbath? One in seven days. One day in seven days. For your rest. So, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You cannot work these seven days. One day, you must shut down and rest. What is that one day for you? If you are not doing it, if you are not resting for one day out of seven, you are abusing your body. You are actually abusing your body. I've explained how I do mine. Because of time, I, I won't go right, you know. But if my understanding of scriptures, it doesn't have to be a particular day, like it said, it said here um, for the Jews. So, taking a Sabbath does two things. Number one, it reminds me of who God is. That is what that scripture is telling us. And number two, it reminds me of who I am. So when you take a Sabbath, it reminds you of who God is and it reminds you of who you are. Some people say, oh, I don't, I work seven days a week, round the clock, who, who needs a day, a whole day to rest? <laughs> you see, when you don't take a Sabbath, all of a sudden, boom, you begin to make bad decisions. Why? You begin to make bad decisions because you've lost sight of who God is to you. When you lose sight of who God is to you, you begin to make bad decisions. Or you have lost sight of who you are. When you lost sight of who you are, you begin to make bad decisions. So taking a Sabbath of rest is so indispensable. So indispensable. Psalm 127 verse 2. Psalm 127 verse 2 says to us, It is senseless for you to walk so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing you will starve to death, for God wants his loved ones to get proper rest. God wants his loved ones to do what? Get proper rest. God wants you, his loved one, to get proper rest. God wants you to get proper rest. So we see that without the rest we need, we get out of sync with God. 
and we get out of sync with ourselves. And when we are out of sync, we, number one, we are disillusioned. We lose sight of who God is. We lose sight of who we are. And number two, we do dumb things. Then we begin to make bad decisions. People begin to see their friends as their enemies. People begin to treat their enemies as their friends. People begin to eat in, in garbage dump, as it were. Proverbs 14, 38 says to us that a heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives life to the body. So when we get this rest that we need, we get the peace that we need. And that peace that we need, we give life to your body. We give life to your soul. Why? Because you are now in sync with God. You, you, you are in sync with God. You, you are reminded of who God is and you are in sync with yourself and your destiny because you are reminded of who you are. Hallelujah. So to enjoy God's promise of peace, number one, I must have peace with God. I must have peace with God. Number two, I must get rest for my body. You must get rest for your body. Number three, not only should you have peace with God and get rest for your body. Number three, you must make peace with people. You must make peace with people. Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can. You know, I know people that, you know, oh, I cut this person off. Oh, I don't care about this person. Oh, I don't I give a hoot about what this person says. Oh, I don't. Oga, madam, <laughs> that's why you are so confused. That's why you are filled with turmoil on the inside. That is why there's so much unrest on your inside. That's why you don't have peace. Why? Because God has made us creatures of relationships. Relationships will not be perfect because people are not perfect. Neither are you. Are you perfect? Nobody is perfect. But you cannot do without relationships. That's how it is. That's how we are wired. That's how we are wired. He says, but pastor, some people are incorrigible. I understand. And there's a provision for those people. But it cannot be a rule of thumb that you are cutting off. This, you are known as a guy cut off. <laughs> you know? Hallelujah. If you check other translations, Yes, it makes provision. It says in the Amplified Version, and I think the KJV sounds similar to this. It says, if possible, KJV says, as much as it's in your power, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So some things don't depend on you. For instance, if somebody's destiny is south and your destiny is north, they, I mean, two cannot work together except they are agreed in the course of direction. There's no fight there. Everybody should bear their father's name. However, there are people going north with you that you are not at peace with. And that is the key problem. So when it's a directional challenge, and, you know, we can unpack this further, but that's not even the focus. The, the, the key thing is this. Make peace 
with people. Make peace with people. So, number one, to have the peace of God, you need to have peace with God. Number two, you need to get rest for your body. Number three, you need to make peace with people. And number four, and this is huge, <laughs> of course, you know, five huge things. This is number four, huge, is you need to tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. Philippians 4, 6-7, Philippians 4, 6-7 says to us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request, I was a request. God wants you to come with request. What is bothering you? Take it to God. Take, just take it to God. Let your request be made known to God. And when that happens, guess what's going to happen? And the peace of God, hallelujah, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you make your request known to God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You know why it surpasses all understanding? Because there can be confusion outside. You have peace inside. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. It surpasses all understanding. It will guard your heart. And in this passage of scripture, we see what is called uh, the principle of anything and the principle of everything. Everybody say the principle of anything. Everybody say the principle of everything. <laughs> What's the principle of anything? The principle of anything says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> That's the principle of anything. Don't worry about anything. What's the principle of everything? The principle of everything is pray about everything. Pray about everything. The principle of anything and everything says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. But instead, what do we do? We worry about everything. <laughs> And we don't pray about anything. <laughs> and that's what I saw. We, we turn it upside down. We worry about everything. So you can't pray about anything. Because prayer and worry don't, cannot coexist. You worry about everything. Why are you worrying? Why? Pass it on to God. Pass it on to God. So if you want God's peace in your life, then you need to request for God's peace. You know, we don't pray for God's peace enough. We don't pray for God's peace enough. You need to request for God's peace. You need to pray for God's peace. Almost every book in the New Testament starts with a prayer for grace and peace. Did you know that? Almost every book, a lot of the books, I think 23 of, of, of the books, you know, a lot of the books in the New Testament starts with a prayer for grace and peace. It's so, 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 so important. An example is 2 Thessalonians 3, 16. Thessalonians 3, 16 um, says, and this is smack in the middle of the book, says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. In 
the name of Jesus. Again, I say, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way in the name of Jesus. At the beginning of um, 2022, no, no, 2020, decade of destiny, you know, God instructed me, you know, I mean, those, uh, that time with God, you know, is one of those times where God would, the, the way he spoke to me was very instructional. It's like, it was the command. It was like, it was like, ah, uh, okay. I don't know how to explain it. You know, you could say, okay, well, his words are all commands. Okay. You know, but if you, if you, if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. If you get it, if you don't get it. <laughs> so he said to me, continually speak over God's family house. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace consistently. If you are paying attention from 2020, that was it. That was what we were declaring. That was what we were declaring. Before COVID hit, that was what we were declaring. Then before that song was released, God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. You know, and that song obviously was in the spirit. I mean, whoever wrote that song. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Oof. So how do I experience this promise of peace? Number one, I must have peace with God. Number two, I must get rest for my body. Number three, I must make peace with people. Number four, I must tell God what I need. And number five, I must keep my thoughts on Jesus. For you to experience God's peace, you must keep your thoughts on Jesus. You must keep your thoughts on Jesus. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. Isaiah 26 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Hallelujah. Because he trusts in you. So you keep him in what? Perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. Perfect peace. What does perfect peace mean? Peace that is, <laughs> that is perfect. <sighs> so what, what's, what's the Bible, what's, what's the Lord saying here? The Lord saying clearly is that my daily experience of peace is a matter of where I choose to focus my thoughts. My daily experience of peace is a matter of where I choose to focus my thoughts. You keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you. So you can have perfect peace in a broken world. I mean, that's huge. So, you mean in this broken world, Pastor, I can have perfect peace? Yes. That's what the Word of God says, and that's what we have in Christ. You can have perfect peace in a broken world. Your circumstances are not perfect. The world is not perfect. 
The people around you are not perfect. Your boss is not perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. Your children are not perfect. Your church is not perfect because you are a part of the church and as you are the one that is making it a part. <laughs> your church is not perfect. So, but you can have perfect peace in a broken world. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's not promising us perfect conditions. Not perfect conditions, but perfect peace. Not perfect emotions, but perfect peace. Not perfect people, but perfect peace. Not perfect spouses, but perfect peace. Not perfect children, but perfect peace. Not perfect church, but perfect peace. Not perfect boss, but perfect peace. Oof, that will be your portion. In the mighty name of Jesus. So, perfect peace, not changing your circumstances, but changing your focus. Hallelujah. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Changing your focus. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15a. Colossians 3, 15a. It says, let the peace that Christ gives Control, I say control, control your thinking. Let the peace, let it. What does let it mean? What does it mean to let? Allow it, allow it. In other words, you, you, you can have God and have God's peace and not allow God's peace to reign in your heart. A lot of Christians, baptized in the spirit, tongue talking. But they don't allow God's peace to reign. I'm going to show you. A bit. They don't allow God's peace. They don't allow. Are you going to allow God's peace to reign in your heart? Let it. Let the peace of Christ. Let it. Let it. Let the peace of Christ reign in your heart. Let it reign. That's the first thing is let. Allow. The second is is allow it to what? Control. Everybody say control. Control your thinking. Control your thinking. The word control there literally means to umpire your thinking or to referee your thinking. So, Pastor, what is he saying? Let the peace of Christ, let the peace that Christ gives referee your thinking. That's what he's saying. Let the peace of Christ be, your, be the referee of your thinking. Let it umpire your thinking. Wow, that's huge. The Amplified Version I mean, puts it in a, in a, in a closer way to, to this description. It says, and let the peace, the soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually in your heart. So let the peace of Christ decide the thoughts that get yellow card, decides the thoughts that get red card. Let the peace of Christ de de decide what who, when substitution is made. Let the peace of Christ determine, become the referee in your mind. Ah, what a beautiful mind that would be. What a beautiful mind that would be. Let it control. Now picture this. In soccer, you have a referee. It is the referee that determines 
penalty. You know, the referee is so powerful. Let the peace of Christ, if the peace of Christ says it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Even if there is no contact, and some referees are crazy, they are crazy. You know, I watch some, some games, absolutely no contact. But the referee says, penalty. Guess what? It is a penalty. The referee's decision is final. Let the peace of God make that final decision in your, in your mind. Referee's decision, even if it's a goal, the referee can disallow it. Even with VAR, you know, I mean, something that is a clear goal, referee went, checked VAR, did like this. I said, no goal. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and if you watch the 2010 World Cup, this is a World Cup year, I think, you know, you see that one of the goals, uh, I think it was Lampard's goal, that was disallowed. The ball hit the bar, entered, and it was disallowed because that's how powerful the referee is. Let's show the clip. Here's Milner. Defoe looking for room. Lampard! Did it go in? No, say the officials. Over the line or not? Yes, most definitely. It's well over. England are denied an equaliser. So we see that that's how powerful the referee is. He disallowed it. It's, everybody on the pitch saw it. It was a goal. But the referee says, sorry, it is not a goal. Listen, the peace of Christ can overrule things that even wants to take dominion over you legally. That think they have a legal ground to have control over you. The peace of God will say, cancelled, no goal. And it will stand. Will you let the peace of God be the referee? There are certain things that are not offside. The peace of God will say it's offside. Why? Because it is ruling in your favor. It is ruling according to the dictates of Christ to keep your mind and your life at peace. Guess what? You have to allow it and agree for it to be offside. It is offside. Everybody else in, on the pitch can say it's a goal. Everybody, I mean, maybe there are about 30,000 people in that stadium. 30,000, one referee. Everybody shouted, goal! Referee says, no goal. What was the decision? No goal. <laughs> no goal. That's how powerful the referee is. The question to you today, my sister, the question to you today, my brother, is this. Are you going to be the referee or is the peace of Christ going to be the referee? What's it going to be? Are you going to be the referee? And that is why your life is, and the people that are, whose life are in so much confusion, and stress and depression is because they are the referee. They are the referee. They are the judge. They are the referee. They are the God says you, you are doing a very poor job. In fact, you, you, you can tell by yourself. You are doing a very poor job. Step aside. Let the peace of God be your ref. <laughs> Do you receive that? Say amen. Let the peace of God be your ref. So who's going to umpire your soul? The peace of God. John 16, 33 says to us, John 16, 33 says, 
I have told you these things. In other words, these are words to live by. Jesus says, I have told you these things. Words to live by. So that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me be your referee. Let me ref your mind. Let me be the umpire. Let me be the ref. What's it going to be? Are you going to hold on to the whistle? And make the call of your life? Or are you going to submit the whistle to the peace of Christ? that passes all understanding. What is it going to be? So, Pastor, how can I enjoy God's promise of peace? These five things. Number one, have peace with God. You cannot have the peace of God without having peace with God. Get rest for your body. Make peace with people. Then tell God what you need. And number five, keep your thoughts on Jesus. And perfect peace will garrison your heart. God's presence in the midst of an imperfect world will take care of your situation. So why do you just want to struggle and weather the storm when God can calm the storm that is in your life? Why do you want to keep holding on to the whistle and making the call of your soul, on your soul, on the thoughts of your life, when you can hand over the whistle to the peace of God that passes all understanding to be the ref of your mind? What's it going to be today? I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you if you're like, Pastor, I want to surrender the whistle today. I've struggled enough I want to surrender the whistle. Wherever you are, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. But I need you to signify by putting up your hand when I say you should. When I say you should. So I'm going to count three. And when it is time, put up that hand. Say, Pastor, that is me. I want to surrender my whistle to Christ. I want to surrender my whistle. If that is you, wherever you are, when I say three, put up that hand. One, two, and three. Put up the hands over your head. Quickly, put it up. Shoot it up. You're in the auditorium. Shoot it up over your head.